he mahi kai takata, he mahi kai huaka. It is work that consumes people, as greenstone consumes sandstone. I'm Justine Murray and you're with Tiahika on Radio New Zealand National. I've been born into a musical whānau, you know, mum and dad both play guitar and sing and we always had the parties. Now this guy has been jamming with some of New Zealand's well-known roots, dub and blues bands, including Fat Freddy's Drop. I'm talking about Warren Maxwell, who says it's all due to a strong whānau foundation. In our series Ngā Marae o Te Motsu, we bring you part two. Marae is at Awarua Marae in Bluff, where host Dean Whanga explains some of the po or carvings, inside the whare tipuna, or ancestral house. This is our whakapapa wall that represents the three strands of um, Ngaitahu Whanui, Waitaha, Ngaitahu and Ngāti Māmoe. And you can sort of see those three strands trying to, we're trying to represent those three strands of whakapapa. Paula Rigby is the Māori Arts Advisor for Christchurch City Council who, as a weaver, brings practical experience to her role. I've got, um, is that a, a pucky? Yeah. So I've got a couple of garments that I've woven. Um, one's a pucky, it's made um, with harakiki and kuta and pingal. It's a a um, contemporary version of um, a rain cape. I'm Justine Murray and that's coming up in this week's edition of Te Ahika. While famous for its oysters, Bluff has another attraction that it's known for, an eight-sided whare tipuna at Awarua Pa. Marae Rakuraku continues her tour with Dean Fanga, this time learning about the whare tipuna and its significance to Bluff. Ngā marae o te motu. Well, this is Wa, and then she's um, married a, a, a captain of a. Well, she had her children to um, whalers. And this one over here, this next one over here, this is our. This is our whakapapa wall that represents the three strands of um, Ngaitahu Fanu, Waitaha, Ngaitahu, and Ngati Mamoi. And you can sort of see those three strands trying to. We we're trying to represent those three strands of whakapapa. And this lady here. It's Kohi Kohi, who married uh, a, another captain of a, of a whaling ship, and all they have lots of descendants. And these, these two put up here are all males up here, and they represent um, the, the signing of our claim in, uh, in, the, in the 90s. And these other um, two put represent the, um, some of the, the, the challenges that were out on the battlefield and the challenges of marriage and the challenges of whānau. These red ones up here, yep. And that's a small papa that we've put into our house. And this lady over here, this is my ancestress, and um, her name was Mary P, and she married a Akis, who was a whaler from an American whaler, big American whaling fleet come to New Zealand, and um, went whaling, and, and a few of them stayed behind. He was one of the ones that stayed behind. And they lived on Stuart Island, Rakiura. And the next wall talks about um, the, the home fires burning. As you can see, the colours associated with... Um, yeah, the colours are red and orange and fire engine red and yellow. Yeah, so we weren't afraid to use the colours um, that are available. 
because Naitahu and uh, the and the and the and the people of the contact period and the Māori were was say the Māori were very quick to take up the new technologies of the of the people that were there uh, of the the new whalers and the sailors and the traders so they took on their, their technologies pretty quickly and uh, pretty soon that we weren't using the traditional wakas and a whole lot of our um, dung and all that had been left aside for the new knowledge so whether you, whether you can say that was a good thing or a bad thing at the time um, they were very quick to take on the new technologies as we are here now taking on all the new technologies of the of the resin colour shop and things like that, you know, using all the the colours that are available to us, using all the woods that are available, you know, um, so we've used a lot of the custom board and and, and um, to 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 tell our stories and to bring out our stories. Traditional tuku tuku panels um, made from the kia kia and dyeing black, traditionally dyed black, from up here on the hill. We we got paru. Paru Paru from up on the hill here. We've got uh, Pingao. So we only use three colours in terms of our um, tuku tuku panels. We didn't use any um, modern dyes. So all our tuku tuku panels have only got those three colours. Except the background was painted in different colours and so that's where you get the different effects. Yeah. So yeah, this is Ahi Kabo and uh, Tamatea Pōkai Whenua again and more ladies. And uh, with their baskets, their whakapapa, of their whakapapa. And there's more, uh, this is Pura who married um, um, Portuguese um, tupuna, Pura. So all different colours and um, to try and get the story across. Here's our Modi stone, gifted, we've got two, we've got a Modi stone here and we've got Pona that were gifted from both Iwi Hapu of Ngati Māmoi from Te Taipotini. So we're very fortunate and very thankful to our whanaunga from the coast that have given us greenstone. So probably one of the most important walls in the house because it's the back wall and it's, it's got no human, um, human figures represented on it. It's to do with Te Pō and the separation. Mm. And this is our mm. Atua or the 70 children of um, Rangi and Papa um, in the time of chaos, just before their parents were separated. So this is the Te Poor period of time. So mm-hmm. that's them represented in the time of chaos. Up, yeah. And of course the old Potama pattern that represents um, those journeys through heavens and stuff like that to get to the, the uppermost heaven. Oh, Maui Tiki Tiki. Uh. Maui Tiki Tiki. Oh, poor old Maui um, and his trickster ways. One of the things that Maui didn't do was uh, manage to achieve was immort- uh, immortality for man. And so we all must die. Mm. So um, that's where, where we are right now is where we have our uh, tupapaku. Mm. So he's looking down on that, um, that mahi that he never achieved. So, so that's why Maui's up there. And lots of others call Fifi up the top depicting his family. We got this, this sort of tuku tuku panel here with the, the chevron shapes, rectangular shapes that representing our mountains uh, that are very important to us. The Maunga Takitimu and the Maunga Tiri Tiri Otamuana, or the um, Southern Alps. And uh, just another tupuna, lots of children. Some of these um, marriages, mixed marriages, produced a lot of children. Whereas at the time, um, the, the new 
the new diseases that new people bring with them, that uh, simple diseases like the measles and all that, um, you're immune to. Uh, the people are immune to, but of course, if you haven't never had those sorts of diseases amongst your people, then it could be quite devastating, as it was. Here's our Rangatira wall. This is just about uh, chiefly people that were in our district, in our Takiwa. And uh, we can tell st- some of the stories that we can tell about them by just by um, remembering their names and remembering their feats. And some of them represent battles that were had here. Some of them represent um, relationships and family. Um, so they're just good stories that are all part of what we've tried to achieve here. So we can tell these stories when people come. There's more to hold up. More to order up there. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what binded us to, together as people. You know, they, they they come here for a particular purpose, stayed, and uh, married, and um, so here we. This is where we are now. Who we are now, a mixture of all sorts of peoples, which is what I'll talk about when we get over to there. But this is her name is Tiano. She married uh, a um, an Anglim. Uh, and he was what Mount Anglim is, was the highest mountain on um, Rakiura at the moment, was Stuart Island. It's called two names, Mount Anglim and Hananu. So from what you're saying, um, this, the, the whare um, tupuna also links Pākehā here as well. Yeah, it, it links all of our stories from the first arrival of our people. Um, we're talking Waitaha people. You know, um, seven or eight hundred years ago, the, the times change, depending on who's doing the carbon dating. But uh, Fucker Papa sort of looks at about between eight hundred and you know just around about eight hundred years. So that seems to line up. And, um, and then, then the Ngati Māmoi people come in with their stories and Fucker Papa, and then our Naitahu people, and um, sort of as you come along. So they, these are the, they're the stories. They're the main stories we're trying to tell. And we're also trying to tell the stories of, uh, so we've, uh, of the arrival of our people here from uh, of, Ngāti, of Ngāitahu descent who come into the area, uh, fought and married in, um, to give us our three strands of the Whakapapa, Waitaha, Ngāti Māmoe and Waitaha, they married in. And then, of course, we have our contact period when our sealers and Waila family come in um, and married in as well. And this is what this, this wall represents. This is our Ngāhawe Whāwau and we look here at all the different uh, migrations of people into this area. And they are, uh, we're up to the contact. So we have uh, American sailors, um, uh, whalers, and sealers from all over, this, uh, some that had come through Australia at the time. Um, people from all over the world come to this area for those different reasons at that time in the 1830s, so, uh, approximately. And then we have... Um, we come closer to where we are now in terms of time and we get to new arrivals that come for the land, come to be farmers on the land from Britain and all that, so we get a strong British background. And then from there we have in the um, 18, um, 1950s through to the 1970s, a lot of people from our, our, our whanaunga from Te Maui that come down in their iwi, come down for the mahi down here, and they married into our people down here as well. So we've got all these people that are coming in and marrying and, and forming this, this, these people that are living in the bluff in the Maruka at the moment. So North Island iwi come down. And then we've got, uh, they all come down for the work. And, uh, and we also have a, a, 
other people's coming down, like uh, from the islands. People got a lot of people from the islands that come over and worked at the Ocean Beach Freezing Works. Married, a lot of them, some of them stayed and married into the community here. And then we have uh, throughout Southland, we have other periods of people arriving, like um, Dutch people. Um, there's a migration of them. And, and then presently, we're, we're going through a phase of multi-nations. Multi-nations, people from all over the world are getting welcomed into Southland and becoming Southland citizens. So we're a pretty diverse lot down here. So this is what this is. First, first and foremost is the history of us as Māori people. And then you'll see the relationships that are formed from um, the contact period right up till today. So we try to tell as many stories about ourselves and, uh, and all of our um, people that made us who we are today, including uh, Pākehā people. So, yeah. What's that queer's name? That's Fuddy Cody. Now, her husband uh, was Spencer. Now, Spencer and Mary Cody set up the first... Um, uh, James Spencer, and they set up... This is when I said that um, Bluff was one of the first towns... Um, well, you know, it was really, really on the piece that they... Oh, wow, that's a whakapapa. Yeah, this is a whakapapa tree that the, their family have set up. So James Spencer married uh, Mary to Cody. This is Mary here. And this is one of their ancestors, one of their descendants has put this whakapapa tree in here. Bluff is supposedly the oldest settled um, town in New Zealand. And um, these were the... T- was him, James Spencer, that set the town up. So we're, we're a very old town. So you know how the... Um open like this, yeah. like kind of like in the puku area, yeah. is that where whānau can place taonga? Presently they can place their taonga there. The, the, the concept is that one day um, their whakapapa will be available. And if it's in um, IT uh, um, or a touch screen or something like that, wait until the technology comes along, we would like to be able to do that so that people come in and, you know, it's just to... Flash. Well, this, well, that was the idea at the time we, we wow. put it together. It would be interactive because we want to keep the kids, keep the kids interested in their whakapapa. Well, the idea was, um, you know, these were ideas coming from our Rangatira Cliff, is that our kids like their hands on and they like these IT stuff. How do we get them involved in their whakapapa? How do we bring them back to their marae? Hey, let's have a touch screen or something like that for them to, to play with. Um, so that they can, at the same time, find their whakapapa with, within uh, their tūpuna. Gosh, these um, whakauru are amazing, aren't they? How they can bend. How that's been shaped. Wow. You know, there's some techniques that are developed, developed by Cliff. And, um, and You've never looked at MDF the same, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's also... It also can save the uh, the native tree resource too. Mm. You know, it's not a, it's not the same um, ability to source the native timbers anymore. And um, and we're uh, quite happy that um, we use all these modern materials to to save our forests. Um, if the old tortoise tree comes up, that you know we could use, and that's catered by. But um, in this case, there's not much forest getting chopped down. We were fortunate enough to get a little bit of tōtara for this project, um, but a uh, majority, as you can see, is, uh, is, is custom board. And, and a good thing about custom board is while, while you're teaching people, um, we can make mistakes yeah, and we can put mistake, it aside yeah. and make a new one. Mm. But if you make, mm. trying to teach someone on the on the, on the tōtara, mm. yeah, it's too scarce today to... No. Eh?
And um, this is, uh, if you're looking back out the door towards the sea, um, this is the Te Ao Marama wall. And it's facing that way to look at the, uh, to remind us when the sun comes up in the morning um, about the origins of um, the origins of the of the world and the earth from Tupu and when when the separation of Rangi and Papa and the first uh, um, the first ray of ray of the sunlight the rising sun in the morning reminds us of the splitting of uh, the separation of Rangi and Papa through our front door into our house so it's facing that direction of the rising sun so that's our Te Marama wall and, a, and as you see there's a tūpuna up there who's actually not a tūpuna he's an atua Tūtaraki Fano, which also is, is part of that um, him carving out all the all the waka of waka auraki being carved out to uh, to beautify Papa Tuanuku of that uh, auraki story with his famous um, ads there and uh, his f- most famous job and his most uh, fantastic um, creation was um, Pio Pio Tahi. Now, if you haven't been, if you've been to Milford Sound, then you'll know how awesome it is so, and beautiful Milford Sound is. So that was his last creation, so, uh, before they'd finished their work. That's Tūtaraki Whānau. Now, um, there are two, like, the doorway is uh, right in the middle of the whare, well, mm-hmm. in the middle of the entrance. So what is the kawa around a tupapakanu? Because it's, it's flanked by two windows. Mm-hmm. That are yep. skinny. <laughs> no, no, we don't um, have our two papa. Our two papa will come through the door. Traditionally, um, on records, show that um, we also had our two papa out the door. But based around um, us changing with the modern times, we've and um, our weather patterns down here, safer to have a a kawa that brings our, our people inside. And um, because yeah, we're because we've only got a new yeah, it's a beautiful day out there today. Pretty much. Um, come on, come on! It's a beautiful day out there. Gosh, you see, this it's not what I call a beautiful day. You can, it's, you can there's almost, not a cloud in the sky out there. You can and it's sense how it could just turn chillingly cold here because I got a little feel of it when I when I came in. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Going, wow, it must be freezing. Are you from the equator? <laughs> no, yeah. it is a beautiful day today. It's a lovely day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it just definitely gets cold here in the winter time, um, but it never sn- hardly ever snows here on the ground. Yeah. Um, and but so we're, for for comfort uh, for our people, um, we have our tupapaku inside here. Um, and the thing is, we used to have our tupapaku or our hunger down in the old house, and we would bring them inside the old house as well. And then there was a period where a majority, because we had no whare nui down here, um, our people mostly took their, uh, their tupapaku back to their houses and they did most of that from there. But we built this um, marae and we're trying to make it as uh, user-friendly as possible that we can bring people, want to bring their uh, people, um, their whānau, into the meeting house or onto the marae where you have it really user-friendly. And they can come inside here and put them at the back and we have our... A tangi hunger inside. Mm. Now, each one of the the queer, well, the popo, they have um, ponamu, but also towards the back here is, um, well, on the side here is what looks like a bit of a treasure cupboard. 
Yes, now this is our treasure cupboard. Um, some modern, there's some modern um, tonga in here. That's a bit like those museum. Yeah, there's, there's, there's vintage. Yeah, movies. there's definitely some modern tonga and there's some older tonga. Um, some of them donated by the the Waddle Trust, who was an old uh, an older bluff family, and. Um, he had, they got Māori Whakapapa, and some of these were their tonga from their family. Those poi look pretty old. Are those poi? Yeah, well, those are the poi from that family, as mm. far as I'm aware. They're the traditional made poi, as you can see, from Raupo and, and other, um, other traditional materials. And there's a couple of, oh, there's a kōrawai, pūpū, some kit there. Yep. A photograph. We have um, sperm whale teeth. With it, and they're linked up with our strong association with uh, with Katikuri people. Is that a small one? Yeah, that's a small one from the back jaw, the back of the jaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this patu over here is, has just been found recently um, in an estuary down here, in a very old style, with the two spirals on it. And then, Gosh, um, still one you think stuff like that down here, eh? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, still still got a lot of coastal erosion at the moment, and. Um, Things are unearthing themselves quite regularly. I think it's a, all part of this um, uh, uh, climate change, eh? The warming <laughs> yeah. of the earth and our, yeah, now our, our seashores uh, unearthing a few um, of the old sites, unfortunately. So yeah, that's very old that one, as far as we were aware. The one up there looks pretty old. This one, uh, this is a whale. Uh, this is a, a bluff family. Then this was made by the. It was presented to the. Uh, to Marae on the when we had a tangi hunger here for uh, for their mother, mm-hmm. and the son made that um, patu tohora for the Marae here. Uh, that's named Tumai, that, that patu. Okay. Tumai. Hmm. So now we, we were very fortunate in that we had a lot of support from um, our iwi katoa right across the, the motu to come and give us a hand down here. Um, just like some of those. Um, some of that weaving that you see there was done by famous, quite the famous uh, weavers. We were, we were quite lucky to have have them help us out. And you has got ponamu coming out of your ears. <laughs> well, we're quite lucky. Get a bit of ponamu envy coming down here. <laughs> well, we're quite lucky. We're, we're hey, our little itsy bitsy pieces <laughs> we get. <laughs> well, we, you know, you can, as you can see, they're about two and a half metres tall. These ladies. And we had to do something that was in proportion. So as you can see, some of these these ponami, um tonga that we've put on them are yeah. over a foot long. But yes. we were very, very lucky that um, we we had a... Uh, I don't know if you know Russell Beck, who's... A f- um, well, we think he's quite famous. He, he writes books on ponamu and um, historian and quite uh, tohunga on... Um, on greenstone sources, uh, types, and uh, uh, Carl, Carl, her friend, yeah, <laughs> very good friend of ours, and we're very fortunate to have to have Russell down here in Southland with all of his vast knowledge on greenstone, and we've taken advantage of uh, Russell, and he's a very good friend of ours, and uh, helped us and taught us all about how to work the ponamu, and because um, it's one of those things that. As, as a lot of this art that we have to reteach ourselves. 
and that's the use of um, although we we had practiced um, making greenstone and um, tools and um, weapon weaponry and all those sorts of things to help us out in everyday life it was one of those arts that sort of well, as I said, when the new technology came along of the of the parkia, that was taken on straight away, and those old arts of making tools, stone tools, greenstone tools, um, for kaido, uh, paintings, all that was sort of left aside, take on a new uh, a, a new side. So, so now uh, this is, this photo gives us the opportunity to recapture those arts and skills, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build up our um, trying to build up that knowledge again. So, how many people can this whare have? Oh, um, about eighty to squeeze. As you can see, it's round. That's mm. it's it's got a few issues when it comes to placing the mattresses out, um, and so it's about eighty, about eighty round, right round the outside, and then we've got a circle right round the inside, so we put them on the inside too. Kia ora, Dean Fanga, showing Mariah Rakuraku around his marae tero aroha. Awarua. Now at our website radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika, you can download that all as you can all past programs. I'm Justin Murray and this is Tiahika. It's time to kōrero Māori. Kōrero. Now this is pretty commonplace nera like kia or morena that means good morning. Kōrero means to talk. Now kōrero rero, note the additional Rero at the end. Now that means in-depth discussion, which there's been a lot of this past week, Nera, as post-election deals have been finalised. As to hui, now a hui is a gathering of people. Now here's some words Marai used in her kōrero with Dean Fanga at Awarua Pa Bluff. Po wahine, poles within the whare tipuna representing the eight-woman bluff whakapapa tu. Po wahine. Taonga, now this is a term used to describe something precious or special, like your car could be your taonga or my ponamu is my taonga. Patsu is a small, smooth-sided club that's flat and can be made out of a number of different materials. It has many uses, including back in the ra as a weapon. These days it's used in kapahaka. Tohora, whale, tohora. Tu Pāpaku describes someone who is deceased. Tu Pāpaku. Pakitara is wall. Now it can be a wall in your home or inside a whare tipuna or ancestral house. Wareware means to forget. Wareware, forget. So koua e wareware is don't forget. Don't forget to lock into Tiahika every Sunday at 6pm at te iwi. Koe nei ngā kupu hau. Paula Rigby no Nati Kahunganu Metsuhoi is the Māori Arts Advisor for the Christchurch City Council. And one of the milestones in her role so far is organising a Matariki celebration. Oh, kia ora, ko Paula Rigby toku ingoa, he uri ahau o ngai tahu, ngati Kahunganu ki wairoa Metsuhoi hoki. Kia ora, and how long have you been uh, in the South Island for? All my life. All your life, born and bred. Born and bred. So, so you're based at the Christchurch City Council, is that correct? I'm employed by the Christchurch oh. City Council and I'm based at the Christchurch Art Gallery. I'm the Māori Arts Advisor. So I work um, out in the community on meeting the aims and objectives that are in the Christchurch City Council arts policy and strategy. And what, what's part of the strategy? Uh, 
we have an iwi and arts strategy, which is about getting Māori arts more available, A, to our Māori community, but B, to the general public, so they can create a better understanding of what it's all about and um, that it's a holistic approach, as everything is in Māori, it's, it's all embodied in everything mm. that we do. Um, and there's been a huge resurgence Great. Um, in Māori arts and crafts, um, and uh, I just sort of took along and try and help to make that happen a bit more and a bit more regularly. Fantastic. Let's talk about the, the resurgence. Are we seeing more Māori artists come to the forefront? I think we are. I think we're seeing more people interested in learning, in particular, raranga and our real. So um, we're fortunate that we have several institutions here in Christchurch. So we have um, Te Whariwaranga Aotearoa, who um, do their Te Arareo Māori courses, and um, they are brimming to capacity almost before they start. Um, and we have, of course, the university-level stuff uh, for people who feel confident about being in a university environment like that. Mm. Um, the is o Aotearoa is very um, strong or making people feel comfortable about doing higher learning. Um, it's more relaxed than being in a big theatre full of you know 300 other people <laughs> yeah, yeah. and a lecturer just blurbing away at you and you are writing copious amounts of notes. So let's talk about um, how you came to be in this role. We, we, what's your background? Well, I actually um, am a trained teacher, primary school trained, and uh, did that for a while because, you know, um, your elders sort of tell you you need to be getting out there and doing something. But prior to that, I'd spent a number of years um, helping to build the marae on Pages Road at Nahuefa. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah, I was so, there yesterday. Oh, mm, great. Pete Mason. And yeah, and it's really coming to strength. Now it's had a few yeah. years of struggle, but we were there initially um, doing the tukutuku. Oh, nice. And then trained to do other types of weaving like tarniko and um, pew pew and... All of that, and that really got my creative juices going. My grandmother and my great-grandmother were both um, weavers wow. up in the Hawke's Bay, and um, unfortunately they died before I was able to take any advantage of learning those skills from them. But I still had that passion there and, and that sort of drive to learn that. And I also come from a kapahaka background, having performed both regionally and nationally um, in the competitions. So that was the kind of strengths, and it's just one of those jobs that um, a friend said to me, oh, you want to apply for my job because it was her job and she was leaving to go to Korea to teach. Oh, oh don't be stupid, I'm really happy teaching and <laughs> no, they won't want me. And then I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll see what happens. And, um, you know, I got the job about six, seven years ago wow. and um, haven't looked back from there, yeah. So um, how has your job from day one to, like, seven years, how's, how has it changed? Is it more of a challenge? It has been, um, but, you know, seven years and we've finally got a Matariki festival, so that's something to um, sort of take a bit of um, pride in, I guess, and, and um, it just it shows you that the struggle's worth it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I do feel like I'm hitting my head against a brick wall. We've got more um, of the council um, partners um, interested in being involved, um, so we have a little... Uh, community gallery just down the road called um, Our City Autotahi and uh, they're keen to be involved with more projects next year which is exhibitions of our Māori artists who live in the city so they're the visual artists um, as um, and the contemporary ones as opposed to our traditional but we also have traditional um, month of exhibitions in there as well and the Christchurch Art Gallery uh, 
did a month-long program that they were really, really proud of, and it was wow. a good positive experience for them. They've been having um, difficulty in finding out how to engage with the Māori community because, you know, it's that real um, posh mm. Pākehā <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, the real highbrow sort of level, um, Rita Angus and people that, um, you know, our Māori community Colin don't McCann really... And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> McCann, I don't really get him, but apparently he's a, you know, a master. And, and um, mm. so they've been having difficulty engaging with the Māori community and... Um, through doing these Matariki activities, we've been able to get more Māori into the gallery and getting them to see their highbrow um, Pākehā art stuff, a- as well as their own artworks displayed and their own, like we've had Kapahaka and we've had nice. our, We've got some amazing talent in Christchurch who um, create their own waiata and, and Aotearoa Māori singers do their own compositions. So we managed to get them to come in to the to the gallery and, and perform and uh, just had a, a really wonderful response from the public. It's challenging all the time. I think what's happening is um, we're getting more and more staff in council that understand Māori issues right. and want to see vehicles that we can use to promote um, the, you know those issues and, and particularly for me um, creating opportunities for our performers and our artists to, to work and to show their work in the public. Mm, kia ora, kia ora. And do you have something to show us today? Is that right? <laughs> Fire Hannah to make me bring some stuff in, yes. <laughs> okay, let's, um, let's open up your treasure and, um, and you can explain what you've got there. Wow. I've got, um, is that a, a pucky? Yeah. So I've got a couple of garments that I've woven. Um, one's a pucky, it's made um, with harakeke and kuta and pingal. So mm. it's, um, I dyed the harakeke, I left some plain, some I've dyed um, a maroon colour, and then I've used kuta and pingal, which is a beautiful yellow colour, to um, enhance the look of the garment. And this is, it's a, a um, contemporary version of um, a rain cape. Our rain oh, cape. I was going to ask you is... How do you so you wear it sort of like a um, like a over, cape? Yeah, like over your shoulders. So over your shoulders. Um, yeah, because our rain capes were traditionally made, you know, just to, for the weather, and you threw them away. And um, there's wow. been in the weaver circles, there's been this resurgence to do all these really creative um, variations of those um, very practical garments. And so you'll see women adorning them with feathers and, mm. and that kind of thing. Um, and we do have some of our stalwarts out there with the real trying to create a new name uh, for these type of garments. Nice. Can you explain what kuta is? Kuta is, um, apparently it's called a river sedge. River sedge. And um, it grows in rivers and lakes. And um, it's like a tall reed. And it has a little flower thing in the top. And you just pluck it out. And kutu was used um, to make mats, and um, you can make kite and, and yes. hats and things out of it. But um, traditionally, it was used to make like sleepy mats, very practical sleepy mats, as opposed to the fariki wear um, that were put out in our marae. You know, the decorative oh, yes. fariki that we put out for those special occasions. Wow! And pingal. Pingal is a sand sedge, and um, it, you pick it green, and it dries out this beautiful golden yellow colour. And uh, it, um, Some people call it um, kati-kati grass, because it has a very sharp barb down each side of it, and oh, okay. you need to strip that off before you start weaving. So, yeah, Fantastic. down on the beaches. Nice, that is beautiful. 
Have you got some other stuff in there? <laughs> I've got one more. Yep. Oh, that's beautiful. So this, um, this is a kākahu that I made using contemporary fibre. So um, I've got mop cloth for the main kaupapa, um, which are the whenu, that I dyed black. And then I've got um, hokahoka on it, which um, are tarnical silk. Um, and I've metalled the tarnical silk, so they look more like the traditional hokahoka that would be on a, on a garment. And I've adorned it with, um, down the side I've got black chicken feathers, <laughs> um, which kind of look like kiwi feathers. So um, yeah, for all the, all the um, listeners out there that have got good imaginations, they're kind of like kiwi feathers down the sides and um, the beautiful blue peacock feathers um, throughout the, the body of the garment. That's beautiful. Um, and they're sort of closer at the top and they space out as they go down the blue feathers and it's um, sort of tears. I was trying to think of um, Rangi crying for Papa when I was oh, putting this together. Oh, beautiful. Is so, there, do you have names for these pieces in particular? Um, people were really getting into naming their garments, but um, I haven't got there yet. Yeah. I just make it and when it needs a name for an exhibition, I ask my queer, what shall I call that? <laughs> okay, no. And she comes up with the names. But this one hasn't got a name as of yet. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And how long would it, did it take you to, to make this particular garment? When I made this garment, I made a pact because I was spending a lot of time um, helping other creative people and wasn't doing anything with my own yeah. mahi. So um, I determined that for one hour a night, at least, I had to weave. So this was three months' worth of weaving. Oh. Yeah. And the paki? And the pucky, oh, they're quite quick to weave up, um, and uh, that probably took maybe two or three weeks. Two or yeah, three once weeks. you've got everything prepared, of course, because the preparation it takes the longest time. Fantastic. That's why I like kotsu, because you pick it, dry it out, and weave it. Yeah. But with harakiki, there's a whole lot of processes that you have to go through. Paula Rigby, Māori Arts Advisor at the Christchurch City Council. And if you head to our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika, there's some fantastic photos of Paula wearing some of her garments. Warren Maxwell grew up in Whangarei. The Tuhoi musician moved to Wellington, where it could be argued he was at the forefront of the dub music scene. Now that was almost 20 years ago. Based in Featherston with his partner and young whānau, Melody Thomas gets up close and personal with Warren Maxwell. Kia ora te whānau nei, ko Warren Maxwell, tuku ingoa. I grew up in Whangarei, ko Whangarei te te puranga. Nō tūhoi ahau, i te taha tuku whaia on my mum's side. She was born in Ruatahuna. And on my dad's side, he was born in Rawini in the Hokianga. So, uh, yes, two, two kind of... I was blown by the wind of Tawhiri Mātia, you know, the seeds, the seeds of the flowers. And, uh, and here we are uh, living in Featherston in the Wairarapa, and it's very choice. How long ago did you move to Wellington? Uh, I moved to Wellington in 1989. Um, I was a builder up in Whangarei, and I think when Marsden B sort of shut down, a lot of work you know, went with it. And plus I, I was sort of over the building thing. I wanted to get into this music business and a few mates had moved down to Wellington. You know, they were ringing me up and saying, oh, bro, bro, you got to come down, man. It's really choice, you know, the big city. I um, bypassed Auckland on purpose because it was just... A, I don't know, Auckland always had this kind of big sprawling cancer kind of feel to it, you know, just a huge mess. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I am. 
And uh, Wellington just seemed heaps cooler. I had this turbocharged Commodore. You know, this is 1989, people, you know. And uh, 202, five-speed Celica gearbox. It was pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, it cost me an arm and a leg, though. And uh, and then uh, we saw a little ad, me and my mate, Willie. We saw a little ad in the newspaper saying, do you want to be a jazz musician? You know, and it was a little ad for a, a, the foundation course at the Polytech. So we went along and auditioned and got in and sort of four or five years later got my degree and here we are. So your music uh-huh. experience before that was that like playing the guitar around the campfire or had you actually like... <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Wild West, man. It was more like playing the guitar <laughs> with, you know, a few other mates around some lion red crates. Really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been... I'd been born into a musical whānau, you know, mum and dad both play guitar and sing and we always had the parties and um, I think it was just, you know, we were very, very lucky having that that around us. And it wasn't the whole Once Were Warriors thing, we never, it never went that far, you know, that was just crazy. But um, we, we were fortunate that, um, you know, I think as a kid I got to experience uh, a lot of laughter and a lot of good times. Thanks, Mum and Dad. <laughs> Thanks, New Zealand on air and Mum and Dad. What do they think now? Because I can imagine, I don't know how old your parents are, your, but Trinity Roots would have been quite nice on their ears and now Little Bushmen, are they a bit like, what is that <laughs> stuff? What is that noise you're making? Yeah, there's a few Trinity songs that they can connect with, you know, that they really love. But most of the stuff... Um, I think it just goes over the over the heads, but I think musically because you know they they're from a rock and roll kind of country era, it might be a bit eclectic for them or something. If it's got three chords and a good good groove, that's enough for them. So yeah, but they love it. They they're just actually quite proud. They're really proud. My dad passed away earlier this year, you know, and he said he, I mean, you know, he did gave the old father son talk, and he said you know he's really proud of us. So. Which is kind of cool. Which is kind of cool. Way cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. And they can see, you know, through music. Um, oh, they can see how, um, I think, uh, how grounded we are and how happy we are, you know, as a family. To be able to look after your family as, a, as an artist, you know, I think you've, you're there, you know, you've made it. That's, that's your idea, my idea of success anyway. I almost cried when the bank manager said, yep, sweet ass, you can have a loan to buy a house. You know, it's cool. Do you remember the first time you played in front of an audience? Oh, I was in um, high school, I'd say. Maybe third, fourth form. And um, we had a big band. Our Whangarei High School had a big band. And um, most most of the band were made up of seniors, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh formers. And I was in, I think I was in fourth form, and I was the... Um, first lead alto part you know so there's a photo there's a photo of me somewhere well the band and you got all these you know grown up kind of seven you know they all got their first moustaches and kind of pimples and the old <sighs> uh, hormones have kicked in there's there's little was you know still with the bowl haircut and um that and that was yeah that was probably about 1983 we had to play for the school school balls 
You know, these days they have, uh, you know, you get a cover band or something or a DJ that busts out Lick My Lollipop or something, you know, and something ridiculous. Well, we actually had, our school, we had to take half a day off to learn how to waltz and foxtrot and quickstep. And you actually had to hold your girlfriends or your partner's fellas, and it was choice. You actually had to touch a girl. But then there was always the one guy that ended up having to dance with the teacher because there weren't enough. Yeah, yeah. Was that you? No, it wasn't me. Actually. Well, I was in the band. I was playing, you know. So I never got to touch a girl. <laughs> oh, no, let it go, Walsh. Let it go. Nobody's really come out from Trinity Roots and said, hey, this is why we all shit down as far as I know. Yeah. Well, you're moving to a different stage or... Yeah, me personally, I'm ready for change. I was ready for change. And, um, you know, the same with Leaving Freddy's. I mean, and both bands, you know, the decision to leave, it it wasn't easy at all. You know, it was kind of leaving a different family to start up a new family, you know. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's just music as well. I mean, I, I got that of John Campbell. He had this great quote. He was doing an interview with Coldplay. And he said, well, at the end of the day, you know, all your successes and that aside, it's only music. And I was like, woohoo, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. You know, it's, um, you're just leaving one band to go into another or starting another. You know, it's not like uh, you're not actually leaving your family or it's not a divorce of such. So, yeah, I just, uh, you know, really was ready for change. And along came the bushies and, and we made this move out to the wider upper and, and it's great. The last album, Pendulum, was um, heavily. Uh, actually, what sparked it was old, uh, you know, old Cuzzy Bush over there in the Middle East, and and um, just I was sort of thinking about how all of these wars, over the whole history of mankind, uh, are undoubtedly caused by the ego of a man, you know, and if you go back in history. You know, you can look at all the wars that were started and, and and also the stuff with Mugabe, you know. And you get people like that all through history, you know. And I and I kind of get the feeling there's a transition going on, you know, this whole thing with... Do you get that feeling? That uh, men, men are starting to, I don't know, become a bit more passive, which is a good thing. And and women are getting stronger and getting, you know, the whole equality thing is finally coming back into respecting each other. You know, I get that feeling, and that's the way it's it, it should have been. Uh, these days, it seems survival. A couple of thousand years ago, survival was actually literally about surviving, you know, being able to grow vegetables and look after your family. These days, it's all about profit, it seems to be, you know. The more profit you make, uh, the more development, the the bigger your family trusts. So you know it's just ridiculous. But I do get the feeling there's a we're going through a transition period, and this was mainly what Pendulum was about. You know, it's uh, or is about. It's about the male ego getting a beaten back down into where it should be. You know, in your little toe, <laughs> and um, just the respect coming back and this equality between nature and and um, Economy, yeah. You're saying before you dropped the old four O number, didn't you? Yeah, boy. Well, Nearly I'm there. actually thirty eight. Oh, I'm thirty eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. But sometimes you feel sixty eight, and then other times you feel twenty eight. So, 
Usually when you're on stage, you feel 28. <laughs> but um, no, it feels good. It actually feels not too bad to be uh, close to 40, you know, especially with everything going the way it is. feels nice. I feel very successful, you know, as a musician and, and a bloke and a human. I do, you know, I've got good family. Fano's all good. I was I was taught there's four pillars of health, you know, you've got the, your whanau, your tinana, your, your body, you know, keep that. I went yogging this morning, um, you know, uh, your your mind, your hininaro, and your wairua, your spirit. And if you, if those four are healthy, then you're in good health. Some good advice, I reckon, from Warren Maxwell there, heard with Melody Thomas. And if you'd like to download the Tiahika podcast, you can do so at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika. And while you're there, make sure to join our emailing list. You can also email Mariah or myself at tiahika at radionz.co.nz. Aneira a Paula Rigby, me te whakamarama o te whakatauki nei. There's a um, famous... Naitahu Whakatauki, which talks about um, the sandstone wears down the ponamu. So I think of myself as the sandstone, and I think of the council as the ponamu, and I just gently grind away and grind away and grind away until we can get um, more activities and, and sort of more understanding for Māori issues and Māori kaupapa. Now over the next few weeks we'll be bringing you highlights from Pao Pao Pao, the annual Wellington-based Māori music extravaganza starting with Ngāhiwi Apanui, head of Te Puatātangi, a collective of Māori musicians and chief organiser of Pao Pao Pao. He mihi atu tēnei ki ngā kai kōrero i tēnei wiki, me ngā hua mahi i konei. Ko Justin Murray ahau, nō te hōtaka o Tiahikā, hei tērā wiki e te iwi, mauri ora tātou katoa.